Now, the Lord Jesus gave some wonderful, wonderful words, as you know. He was the Word. And one of the great things he said was in John chapter 3. Just turn to it, will you? Verse 14. I won't read any more. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever, everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. It's a great verse. Just comes before John 3.16. As Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now the record of this is in the book of Numbers and chapter 21. When the Jews, who had been quite a long time in the wilderness, and the uh, best part of their 40 years, and God had been very good to them, provided them with water out of the rocks, so and they never thirsted, and manna from heaven, special food was provided, and sometimes quails and other birds, so they had meat to eat and guided them with his presence, helped them in many ways, had been so good to them, and yet they were often so discontented, and they grumbled. And at this particular time, in Numbers 21, they grumbled and groused and griped because they said of the, the way. And then they said, we haven't got decent food to eat, and there's no water to drink, and it just wasn't true. So God wanted to teach them a lesson. And it says he sent among them fiery serpents, snakes, that bit the people. Little tiny snakes in the sand. Hardly noticeable. But their bite was fiery. And their venom was deadly. Many people died. And the story goes on to say how they became convicted of their sins and they went to Moses and they said, help us. We've sinned. Please ask God to take the serpents away. And God said, no, I'm not going to take the serpents away. I've got a better plan than that. He told Moses to make a great big snake out of brass. It means it had to be melted down in the fire and then beaten into shape and hang it up on a pole high so that everybody can see it. And anyone who's bitten by a fiery serpent is to look to that pole and when he looks he will live and they did and many people lived and then it says they went on into the land now this world is a spiritual wilderness it's dry and dangerous and desolate and there are many fiery serpents in it The serpent, of course, is a picture in the scriptures of Satan. We have the serpent right at the beginning, Genesis, coming and tempting Eve. And then in the book of the Revelation, it talks about that old serpent, the devil, age-long serpent. He's invisible, but he's subtle, and he's got poison. And the devil's poison has been injected into the human race so that we're all sinners. We've got sin in us. But uh, 
there are many little serpents. We'll look at them in a minute. And here we see a camp of people where death is spreading because of the poison of the serpents. And it, the scripture tells us that when sin entered into the world, death came, spiritual death. And because we're all sinners, we all have that spiritual death, both in us and in eternity. It's a terrible thing to be dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, the problem wasn't just the serpents, it was their poison. There are serpents that haven't got any poison, and people even keep them as pets. I don't care for that sort of thing, but uh, there you are. I've known people take boa constrictors to bed with them. Oh dear, oh dear. Has he having a boa constrictor in bed? But uh, they're harmless serpents. They haven't got poison. And uh, sin is the poison of the serpent. And it brings death. Now, we all get bitten by the serpents. If you're not a Christian, you're well bitten. You're bitten by the great serpent and you need to be saved. If you're a Christian, and most of you are this morning, you get bitten by little serpents. I do. Uh, these little serpents are times when evil thoughts arise in you. Don't they happen in you? Bad thoughts come, unclean thoughts come, and, and you fall into, the, into them, and the poison gets in. And there are temptations that come through the things we look at, the things we hear, and uh, the things we think, if you like. Uh, small sometimes, unnoticeable. These bites might have been very tiny, but they were deadly. And so there are little, little things that happen to us, little thoughts of jealousy, envy, Bitterness, pride, self-pity, impurity, you name it. Hardness of heart. And unless we are cleansed quickly of these things, the poison begins to work in us. I found that. So there are inner states uh, that are poisonous. Sins of every kind that produce venom. Get in a church. I know churches where the serpents are very busy biting. Church at Corinth was like that. There were divisions and arguments and dissensions going on. And adulteries and fornications. And they were covering them all up. But the serpents were biting in the church. So we all get bitten sometimes. We often don't notice that we're bitten until the symptoms begin to appear and as a man uh, perhaps and he, he thinks he's perfectly alright and he says to his wife well I don't know I've got a sort of numbness in my leg I don't know what it is I've never had it before and it's getting worse and she says well I wonder whether you've been bitten by a serpent or perhaps his eyes are becoming peculiar he can't focus properly or he gets restless can't sleep he begins to lose his appetites all kinds of symptoms that you've been bitten by a serpent. 
And often we don't know that we've been bitten by these serpents until these symptoms appear. I remember being in a, a conference where I was uh, one of the speakers in Switzerland. And I was having a great time and I enjoyed the other speakers. I was giving the Bible studies and one morning I went half past nine for the Bible study there was nobody there. So I sat in the front seats and I thought, where's everybody gone? Then suddenly they began coming in and some dear lady came to me and said, oh, is this where you are? I said, yes, where do you expect me to be? Well, she said, didn't you know that there was a, a, a picture being taken, a photograph being taken of all the conference speakers and the, and the conference members? And I hadn't heard about it. That made me a bit cross. And she said, oh dear, what a pity, now you're not in the picture. <laughs> a serpent bit. Well, I sat there and everybody came in and had the worship. I didn't enjoy the worship one little bit. And I thought, well, they picked a funny lot of hymns, I don't know. Don't like these hymns. And then the speaker began, and he was a dear brother who's always been a great blessing to me, and I thought, well, something wrong with him this morning. He must have had a bad night. <laughs> or he's got a bout of indigestion or something, but I don't know, he, he's no good. <laughs> and I sat there, and he went on and on, and I thought, well, something's wrong here. The whole thing's wrong. And then the Lord says, you're wrong. And I said, what's wrong, Lord? Please tell me. He said, you're not in the picture, that's what's wrong. <laughs> and you always like to be in the picture. And I realized that I'd been bitten by the serpent of self-pity and ill-temper. I hadn't been told about the picture. I just had to come and repent. Many times I found this, that I hadn't, hadn't realized how I'd been bitten. I remember one occasion when things were not going very well in the church where I was and I was feeling a bit down about it. I got a letter from a friend which was one long success story of how God was blessing his church. I was in baptisms and conversions and great crowds and I read the letter out at breakfast and I put it back in my pocket and I went to my study to, to prepare for the evening meeting. I couldn't get anything from the Bible. I couldn't pray. I was dead. I was dark. I was dull. I struggled and I strove. And eventually I went out to the kitchen and Doreen said, How are you getting on, dear? I said, I'm not getting on at all. She said, What's wrong? I don't know. She said, I said, Can't get anything from the Bible. The Lord doesn't seem to be speaking to me. I can't pray. You know? And she said, Oh, yes, I'm not surprised. I said, Well, what do you mean you're not surprised? Well, I know what it is. What is it? It's jealousy. Don't be silly. <laughs> I'm never jealous. Other things, but not jealousy. How do you know? Why do you say jealousy? Well, so when you read that letter out from Dr. So-and-so, uh, I, I could hear the jealousy in your voice. Brothers, that's the kind of wife to have. Who can really detect. So I went back to, to, and I said to the Lord, silly woman, stupid woman. Why did you give it to me? So I went back to the Bible and it still didn't speak and I still couldn't get a message and I still couldn't pray and in the end in my distress I cried out, Lord, show me what's wrong. And the voice said, jealousy. <laughs> I found myself arguing with God and said, surely you don't agree with her, do you? <laughs> and the Lord said, yes, I do. She's right and you're wrong. It's jealousy. And then I began to see the jealousy. 
You see, the symptoms had begun to appear. But the Lord had to show me that I'd been bitten by the serpent of jealousy. And when I repented of it, the life came. Oh, what life. The word began to live. I began to feel I could pray. I began to praise the Lord. I praised the Lord so much I began to sing. I began almost to shout. And Doreen came into the study and she said, Whatever's going on in here? I said, Oh, the Lord's blessed me so much. He's come to my heart again and I'm just praising him. She said, Good, you've been repenting of the jealousy. <laughs> you see, we need... Sometimes we don't know we've been bitten until the symptoms appear. And when you find yourself dead and dull and critical and you're not getting any blessing, you need to why am I like this? You've been bitten by a serpent somewhere. Well now, all sorts of people got bitten. I expect some of the priests got bitten. Maybe Aaron could have got bitten. And they, they, in the end, they're so distressed, they come to Moses and they say, Moses... Ask God to take away the serpents. And it's a good thing when we feel our need and we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, what's wrong? But then they went further and they, they saw it was because they'd sinned. And their sin was this discontent and murmuring against God and against Moses. And you know, murmuring is a sin. When God is so good to us and we complain and we get full of self-pity, that's sin. It's just selfishness. Those days we've sinned. Ask God to take away the serpents. Well, that's a good thing. You can take away the serpent. Make the serpents all suddenly vanish. They're not there anymore. It doesn't work like that. And there are people who said, I believe God can take away my sinful tendencies. He can eradicate the sin that's in me so that I don't sin anymore. So that I don't feel the temptations. It doesn't work like that. At least it hasn't for me. I've still got a sinful nature as bad as it was before I was saved. It's still there. And, it, and, and the flesh can only produce what is displeasing to God. It doesn't take away the serpents. It doesn't put you in circumstances where there's no temptation and nothing to aggravate you. There was a dear sister who once said, if you haven't got somebody by your right hand that gives you cause to repent, ask God to send somebody, even from Australia, because you need someone that gives you cause to repent. Well, I've had plenty of people around me give me cause to repent. And I've given them cause to repent. So he doesn't take away the serpents. But what he does, he gives, them a, gives a remedy for their bites. And that's much better. And this was God's plan. He said, make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole. And anyone who's bitten the moment he's bitten, he can just look to that serpent on the pole and he will live. There'll be healing for him. And many people did. And it says, whoever looked when he was bitten by a serpent lived. Now this was a great type of the cross because Jesus said this. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I, the Son of Man, be lifted up. Lifted up on the cross. So that anyone can look to me in faith and receive everlasting life. And you this morning, conscious of being bitten by the serpent of sin, you can look to Jesus and you can live. Now this was God's means by which the poison could be dealt with. They didn't have to crawl to the serpent. They didn't have to make a great journey. They just needed to look. You know, it's the easiest thing to look. 
And this is faith. You look at the serpent. You don't look at your eyes. You don't look at your look. You look at the object of your look, which is the serpent on the pole. And so faith looks to Jesus, concentrates on Jesus. And it's amazing what can happen when you do. There was a young man called Charles, or Chuck, not Smith, but Spurgeon. And uh, he, was a, he was very much bitten by the serpent. And he was in a terrible state. He, he, didn't know, he didn't know he was saved. He was conscious, very conscious of his sinfulness. And he went one snowy morning to the wrong church, couldn't get to the right one, went and sat in a little old Methodist church in England, and sat in the corner, feeling very miserable, and the preacher didn't turn up, uh, because of the snow was so thick, so they got somebody from the congregation, asked him to preach, and he couldn't preach for toffee, and he got up and he picked on a verse, and he said, my verse this morning is, look unto me all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. But he couldn't preach. He said, now the verse says, look. Now we all know how to look, and it says, look unto me, look unto me, and if you look unto me, you'll be saved. And he kept on going on like this, you know, it was a very boring kind of a sermon, <laughs> you see. And then he suddenly got excited and he saw Spurgeon sitting in the corner looking miserable and he pointed straight at him. He said, you young man over there, you're looking very miserable this morning. You've not looked to the, to the Lord to be saved. You can look now. Look, 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 he shouted. <laughs> and the young Spurgeon said, that moment I looked. He was saved, sitting there. And there's someone here this morning and I say to you, look, look to Jesus, look to the serpent on the pole. And you live. You're, it's by faith you're saved, not by works. You don't have to crawl to the cross. You don't have to do any works to get there. You just need to turn even your, your dying eyes to that serpent that the dying thief did. He just looked to Jesus. And he lived. And millions and millions have looked. Now, when they looked, what did they see quickly? Well, they saw the serpent. God didn't tell Moses to make something other, wonderful thing, an image of something. He said, make a serpent. And when the man looked, he saw the serpent. He saw the thing that had bitten him. Perhaps he'd never seen a serpent. All he knew, he was bitten. And if he'd seen a serpent, he hadn't got a proper view of it. The thing was bitten him and gone, flashed in the sand and disappeared. So he didn't really know what a serpent looked like. But when he looked at the serpent of the pole, he saw what it looked like. And as he gazed, perhaps he said, what a horrible looking thing. With those writhing coils on that pole. Is that what's bitten me? The point is this, that we never know what sin's like until we see it in the cross. And you read the papers and... You know, you look at the films and you say, oh, what a terrible thing. Look at the sin all over the world. And we get so used to it. The violence and the drug addiction and the adulteries and all the rest of the things. And it also goes over our heads. We don't realize. But when we see the cross, we see what our sin did to God. Festo Cavendry, great bishop in Africa, was a friend of ours. He was a tough, man, bad living man one day he got a vision of Jesus and he said I saw my God slaughtered before my very eyes and it broke him brethren and sisters we need to look at Calvary 
See what sin has done to God. It's bad enough what it's done to man, but what it's done to God. And there that one who was God, who came, lived the most perfect life. Men took him, spat in his face, hit him, buffeted him, pierced him, mocked him, hung him up to, to die the most cruel death anybody could die on a cross. That's what sin's like what sin does you see the serpent you see that's what bit me that terrible terrible thing called sin but then of course it it was a brazen serpent and brass had gone through the fire intense heat so that it could be made into a serpent and Jesus died on the cross going through the fire of the judgment of God against sin See, God hates sin. God hates pride. God hates impurity. God hates sin of every kind. And the only thing God could do with sin is to judge it. And then Jesus died upon the cross. In Romans 8 it says, God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. Condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned my sin. And I need to see that in my place, condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. But then of course they saw a serpent that was hanging there helpless. Couldn't bite anymore. It was a conquered serpent. And in the death of Jesus, sin has been conquered. See, sin was condemned when Jesus was condemned to die. Condemned that we might not be condemned. Romans says, sin shall no more have dominion over you. Sin's condemnation is over and gone. Jesus alone knoweth how, says the hymn. But there is no condemnation if you come to Christ, because Jesus has taken the condemnation. And the reign of sin and death is o'er, and all in Christ may be set free. Hallelujah. Satan has lost his mortal power. It is swallowed up in victory. And so as they looked at that serpent, that brazen serpent that had gone through the judgment, that serpent that was conquered on that cross, that pole, life came. And they didn't need to struggle with the serpents anymore. They didn't need to go to false remedies. The remedy was there. And the serpent did not need to dominate that camp any longer because it was dominated by the serpent on the pole. And when the cross is central in the life of the church and we're all looking to Calvary and coming in repentance quickly, sin loses its power and Jesus reigns. While the serpents were there, they may have been there for quite a while yet, everybody could live because the serpent on the pole is there. And this morning, there are many of you here, and you know you've been bitten by serpents. And you're struggling, and you're looking for all sorts of remedies. But I want to lift up Jesus this morning and say, He is the remedy. And you needn't be under the power of the poison 
one moment longer than it takes you to repent and turn to Jesus. There's always the way. So many Christians don't know what to do with their sins. So many people who are not Christians don't know what to do with their sins. But the thing to do with your sin is to repent of it quickly and turn to Jesus. And receive and receive and receive the life that he gives. In fact, I think if I had known this message and I had been there, I, I would have kept my eye on that serpent on the pole, don't you? And if a serpent did bite, it wouldn't have much effect. Keep your eye on Calvary. Keep coming to Jesus quickly.